Welcome to Game Time in the Triangle. I'm your host, Trisha Williamson. On today's show, I'll recap the High School Hoops season opener between Rollsville and Wakefield, and you'll hear the first part of my interview with Cedric Simmons, who was drafted first round to the Hornets in 2006. The 2024 High School Hoops season opened last Friday, with the Rollsville women's team traveling to Wakefield. After a slow start to the game, Rollsville dominated the first half, with leads in the double digits at times. But Wakefield had a strong third quarter to bring the score within two points. One major highlight of the game was Rollsville's Caitlin Jones hitting a monumental milestone and surpassing 1,000 career points. Dabek misses a three, and here comes Caitlin Jones, head up, down the floor, stops, starts, and there is a 1,000 for Caitlin Jones. And we get a stoppage here as Jones reaches 1,000 on a patented move. Stop, start, eluded the defender, shook her way, and knocked down the mid-range. And as a real sign of class here by Wakefield, they will stop play on their home floor to honor Caitlin Jones for Rollsville, who just reached that 1,000 mark plateau. Well, so many different offensive moves. And here, to get that 1,000 point, Ball moves quickly up the court. Jones reads it. Nice mid-range jumper with a crossover. It's splash for number 1,000. And this is just something we've been around college basketball, high school basketball a lot. Yeah, the signs are out for Caitlin Jones. This is very rare to see with a home team agreeing to stop action to celebrate a player from the other team. That's the great amount of respect between these programs, the two head coaches, and all the players. The fourth quarter was a close nail-biter, with the lead changing six times. Allie Schaefer hit a total of four three-pointers, including one to pull ahead of Rollsville and another to tie it up 49-49. There is a deafening buzz all throughout this gymnasium. Off the bounce, deep three, Schaefer. Oh, went to the Raptors, dropped through, and Wakefield retakes the lead. Give Schaefer another thousand shots like that, she could never replicate it. That went off the heel, 10 feet into the air, and came true. Lead to Wakefield by one. Talia Rowe was the last to score, with a steal and a layup in the last two minutes that gave Rollsville a final of 51 points to Wakefield's 49 points. 120 left in regulation. Game tied. There's a tip and a strip. Row the other way for the Rams and Rollsville leads by two. The takeaway from Bagwell. Stays at two. Offensive rebound. That's going to run the clock out. And Rollsville hangs on and knocks off Wakefield in the next six opener. 51-49, an absolute heavyweight of a second half between Rollsville, the top-ranked team in the East, and the Wakefield Wolverines. For the match, Wakefield's Ali Schaefer was the lead scorer with 12 points. Madison McIntyre and Lila Bagwell each got 11 points. Jaya Hamilton had 9 points, and Nicole Ammond and L. Harris each had 3. Rollsville's Talia Rowe had 19 points total, with Caitlin Jones coming in at 15. Layla Lewis finished the night with eight points, Kayla Bush seven, and Justice Everett three points. 
I am joined now by Cedric Simmons, an NBA player who was drafted in the first round in 2006 to the Hornets, right? To the Hornets. Also an NC State alum. Yes, ma'am. Welcome. I appreciate you coming and joining me. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So you grew up here in North Carolina, right? Yes, born Where were you born? I was actually born in Supply, North Carolina, which is uh, southeastern by the coast. About 15 minutes from Holden Beach, about 30 minutes from Wilmington. So Very cool. A lot of people think it's by the beach, but it's it's kind of on the other side. It's it's more country, you know, rural area. Oh, okay. Um, away from everything. Small town. We had one stoplight. We had one Hardee's. We had a Bojangles. So. Oh, dang. So, you know, my husband grew up in a small town, and when the McDonald's came to town, it was a big deal. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. a big I, We used to eat Hardee's all the time. I mean, my Did dad you? loved it. We had Subway. Oh, nice. Once I got to high school. So the small town, it was... You're right. Everything it was everything, man. Just to go, go to Hardee's and just sit, eat in, and all that stuff was a big deal back when I was younger. Nice. Like you, um, you had to do the whole thing where like you drive to get like school clothes and things like that. Like it oh, was yeah. a trip. Yeah, yeah. My high school was actually probably 20 minutes from where I grew up. So wow. I grew up in Supply. My high school was in Shalope. Okay. And we had to drive 30 minutes to Wilmington or. North Myrtle Beach to get school clothes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So. I, I cannot relate. I grew up in the city. What is it like growing up in a small town and then kind of, well, I suppose Raleigh was a big town for you when you yeah. went to college, right? What was that transition like? Um, to be honest, it was, once I got to college, it wasn't that bad. Okay. Because from my junior year of high school, I was, I was used to traveling, playing basketball with AAU and all that stuff. So but learning to drive in Raleigh was a big, a big deal. And going road trips, you know, in college where you get a break, you drive. I drive home. So mm -hmm. driving on the highway on I forty for the first time by myself was a big deal. But I mean, it was just a lot of people mm -hmm. compared to where I grew up, and just getting to know different people, trying to find my way in college. That was kind of a, the, the biggest adjustment for me. You said you'd played basketball before that. How did you like come up in the ranks to um, get to NC State? Well, <laughs> my high school coach, mm -hmm. he actually played JV at NC State when uh, David Thompson played. The guy, they just actually got a statue for him. Oh, nice. Um, the only jersey retired at NC State. Um, so he was pushing me to go to NC State uh, – Ever since my freshman year, mm -hmm. I wanted to play baseball, I wanted to play basketball, and he told me, son, you're six, seven, <laughs> you're a string bean. Yeah. You got a lot of skill. You got a lot of potential. You're a basketball player. Mm -hmm. And he said, listen, I don't, I don't mind you playing other sports, but we're going to focus on basketball. And that's kind of where I fell in love with it. Um, I used to go play in ninth grade with the co community college close to my house called Brunswick Community College. So I was playing with college kids. As a 15, 16-year-old. Um, Did that kind of bring your level up? And that brought my level up. And actually, when I was in the gym at that time, a coach from USC Asheville offered me my first scholarship in ninth grade. Wow. Uh, coach Biedenbach, which actually went to NC State. Oh, very cool. And played basketball there. So, And then everything kind of skyrocketed after that. Once I got on the scene and I committed to NC State the end of my junior year or end of my sophomore year. Um, so after that, a lot of people just wanted to know who this kid was from a small town, still going to a public school, yeah, going to a 3A school at the time and 
who is this tall six nine kid that everybody's talking about that's come that's all of a sudden popped on the scene and that's top five in the in the state you know were you six nine in high school I was six nine probably. I mean you're I'm short anyway, but like you're an imposing figure when you walk in the room. Yeah. And so if you're a teenager yeah. um, and you're playing basketball and you're this, you know, you're a big guy. Right. Um, did you did you find that like um, more of the spotlight was put on you because of it? Like, were you the tallest on your team? Were you? Of course, yeah, I was. Yeah. I was the tallest, but I think more of the spotlight was just once once I committed to NC State. Mm-hmm. It's like people want to know who is this kid. And then you start getting invited in different tournaments and Christmas tournaments. And then we played in a Christmas tournament here at State called the Glaxo Smith Klein. So mm-hmm. it was, it was, uh, that was the main thing. I think it was just, who is this kid that's all of a sudden on the scene? We got to see who he is. And is he as good as everyone is saying he is, you know? How did that make you feel? Were you pressured? Did you feel the pressure or? Um, I'm actually shy by nature. Mm-hmm. So. But on the basketball court, I didn't feel any pressure. Um, you know, my, the way my parents raised me was I was humble, man. I just – then I just wanted to play basketball. That, mm-hmm. was, that was that was basically it. I mean, it was just me sometimes felt like I was in my backyard shooting by myself. But then when you look around, you look in the stands, it's, <laughs> There's you, a see lot of people. People, you see people wearing state gear. You see so many NC State coaches, and you see coaches from different colleges and that – that kind of can make you, as a young kid, and a little nervous. But overall, I was fine. I just wanted to play basketball. You only played two years at NC State, right? Yeah, only two years. So you were – hold on, I'm doing math. You were 20, and yeah. you went yes. into the NBA draft. Went to the NBA draft, yes. How did that go? How does that work when you're at college? Does somebody, like a recruiter, come up to you and say, like, hey, let's start this? <laughs> well – well, you get you get approached by agents, mm-hmm. and I had an older cousin at the time, and he was he was friends with a guy named Tim Thomas that played in the NBA, so he kind of knew the rank. He knew how things would go. Um, so the start of my sophomore year, we had a game in Iowa, and I had a pretty good game. Um, and after that, it was on ESPN, too. So cool. after that, everybody was saying, oh, Sid, you're playing well. You know, things are going to change here in a couple months if you keep playing like this. You're getting eyeballs on you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then, then I had a good game against Duke, at Duke. Um, in the in the uh, Cameron Crazies was there, and I was I played well. Had 28 points, I think nine rebounds and seven blocks. Nice. Um, so after that game, that was on ESPN also. <laughs> so then after that, it, it kind of skyrocketed. After that, and yeah. then you get to the NCAA tournament, you play well. You get to the ACC tournament, you're playing well, you're on TV. Um, so then a lot of people start approaching you. But my mom, she did a good job. You know, we didn't we didn't kind of get too too high or too low. We mm-hmm. just kind of – her main thing was me staying in school and me being happy. So there was no pressure of, uh, oh, man, you're getting good. You got to go to the NBA. Yeah. Everybody's calling now. You're going to make the family rich. You're, you're – you know, you're the next best thing to happen to the family. It was nothing like that. Oh, that's good. It was all about, it's up to you, Said whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you're doing the right thing. Make sure you pray about it. And in the end, you know, as a family, we'll make the decision. Um, and that's kind of how I kind of got on the scene, was playing well. Because I didn't play at all my freshman year in college. Oh, okay. Um, the first part of the year. Mm-hmm. Around the, the second part of the year, I started coming along playing 
games here and there, but it wasn't nothing like, in my mind, I wasn't an NBA player, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or a first-round pick. Yeah. Um, and that probably what pushed me during the summer to get a lot better. You start seeing your body, you start putting on some weight, mm-hmm. you start getting a little stronger, you start doing things that you start looking around and people are like, oh, man, like at your size and your height, a lot of guys don't do this. And then you start getting some of the attention from the scouts and you look on, you know, you Google your name, you look on nbadraft.net and you see predictions of you going in the first round. That's when you kind of get a little confidence and you start wanting it more. So you don't actually know, like when you go into the draft, you don't know if you're going to go first round or not. Like you don't know where. Well, you do know, but you don't know where you're going. You don't know. Some guys know. Like the first I would say five picks. Mm-hmm. They know where they're going because yeah. they're the first five picks. They've been projected to go there anyway. Sure. But it's always one wrinkle in the draft. One player can mess up the whole draft. You know, okay. One team can pick a player that nobody's heard of from, I don't know, let's say Europe or that they just want the rights to or like a, they want to take a Luka Doncic or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's – Everybody under that gets bumped down because then after that, the teams take the next best players. Okay, so somebody had taken someone who wasn't known, and the Hornets were like, oh, I can get the person that yeah, the team yeah. above us wanted. I'll take Actually, them. Yeah, I, see. I can tell you exactly what happened. Okay, what happened in <laughs> so, your year? So my year, I was I worked out for the Seattle Supersonics at the time, mm-hmm. which is now the Oklahoma City Thunder, and they guaranteed me they would pick me at nine. So I was supposed to go nine. Okay. Um, but they picked a player named Muhammad Sine, who was a tall center, had the longest wingspan in NBA draft history. I understand why they picked him. That makes sense. So, but he was kind of like a project. You know, he wasn't going to play right away. They were trying to figure out how they could develop him. And once he got drafted, I knew I wasn't going to go after that. I knew I wasn't going to go 10 or 11. I think Philly had the 11th pick. Um, I had surgery in high school on my right knee. So the Philadelphia doctor, once he saw my right knee, he red flagged it. That means they're medical red flaggers. That means they think. They're not going to choose you. you yeah. They're, they're like, okay, this knee is not going to hold up in the NBA. Um, so then the Hornets came up at 12. They picked another guy named uh, Hilton Armstrong. He's from UConn. He was a four-year player. And see, I'm younger. I was still a sophomore. I was young. Mm-hmm. So then it got to the 15th pick or got to the 14th pick. My agent called me and I'm sitting in the green room and then my hands started sweating. I'm like, okay, something's about to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so then the 15th pick came and the Hornets selected me. The Hornets had two picks that year. They had two picks. Yep. Nice. Yep. Two picks. And there were 12 and 15 and Hilton went 12th and I went 15th. What does it feel like to sit in the green room and know that like, your name could be called next. Like I said, my hands were sweating. <laughs> Have you ever my... <laughs> been under that much stress in your life? <laughs> no, no. It, I don't know if it was stress or more of excitement mm-hmm. or more of a I'm here moment, you know. And I looked at my mom and I'm looking at my dad. I'm looking at my brother. I'm looking at my high school coach. I'm looking at my uncle that all came up. and I'm, And nobody has ever experienced that. So they don't know the feeling that I'm feeling, or Mm -hmm. I don't know the feeling that they're feeling. So we're all, you know, probably so many emotions (laughs) from so many different people. Um, But it was just like, 
I mean, in a few seconds, your life changes. So they say, you know, the pick for the Hornets is Cedric Simmons. And here you are, and And you're on an NBA team. Yep, and I walk on stage. I shake David Stern's hand. My hand is sweaty. Like I said, my palms. I'm sure that's, like, (laughs) not something that he's, you know, never seen before. (laughs) Right. So I smile. I take the picture. We go back. We take family pictures. We take family photos after that. And it's it's still like I don't – I still don't believe it. You know, I still don't understand what happened. Yeah. Until you walk out Madison Square Garden and you look at your phone and everybody's texting you, everybody's sending pictures. And Facebook was popular then. It wasn't no Instagram. So everybody's sending you messages from my hometown, you know, mm-hmm. like said, we're proud of you. And then it's like, okay. And what then, a day. And then you meet the GM. You yeah. meet the head coach. They call you on the phone. Next thing you know, you're on a private jet. You're flying. To New Orleans. Could you imagine? <laughs> right. Well, you, I mean, come on, that's amazing. You're flying, you're flying to Oklahoma City, you're flying to New Orleans. Um, I mean, we're flying on the team plane back then. New Orleans had their own plane, so nice. My family, everyone is, is on the plane. Um, my older brother, who was two years older than me, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like, all right here we go mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the so. press starts at that point yeah, right did you feel starts. a lot of pressure once all that happened you know a lot of things coming at you at once what were um, you feeling then I wouldn't say I was feeling pressure like I said I was just still didn't even think about it mm-hmm. the first time I felt pressure was the first day of training camp you know I start seeing all the older players out we running we're, we're just and I'm like okay like this is this is a little different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody here is <laughs> moving a little different than they are at college. Sure. I'm I'm not the strongest guy anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not the man anymore. You kind of start at the bottom when you, you, yeah, you, know, like you go up to the you, next level, you right? You start all over. I yeah. mean, we had we had David West who who's from the area, who's a who was really good, strong. We had Tyson Chandler who was 7 foot can run and jump. I had Chris Paul, you know. And then it was like, okay, you're starting all over. Now they're calling you Rook. Oh, nice. Then you got to do all these other things as a rookie. Yeah. (laughs) And then I'm still trying to figure out where I'm going to live, how I'm going to get my car, Mm -hmm. how I'm going to get my car, where am I going to live in Oklahoma City because it was in New Orleans at the time. We had to live in Oklahoma City because it was after Katrina. Oh, okay. Yeah, 2006. Okay. 2006. Um, So a lot of that stuff came into play. Yeah. Um, But my family, and like I said, I had an older cousin that helped me out, and my older brother actually helped me out, and my agent at the time. They kind of made the transition really, really smooth for me. Good. I suppose having a good team is, yeah. you know, uh, you yeah. desperately need that when you're right. young and starting something exactly. so big, right? Exactly. A, a good team around you of people that want the best for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't say the same for some of the kids I see today going in the draft or, or even in high school. I don't know if they have the best team around them. Just by some of the decisions you see kids are making these days. But I was blessed to have a good team. Um, around me and everybody wanted what was best for me. And at the end of the day, it was my decision overall. You know, they, yeah. they kind of just guided me in the right direction. Nobody really pressured me or said, said you're not playing well. You know, you got to play better just so you can get your next contract and stuff like that. So it was kind of it was kind of still the young kid from Supply just mm-hmm. on a bigger stage yeah. playing in front of a lot more people. 
when you're in the NBA and you, you know, you're a rookie and you start playing and you're against all these other teams, like mm-hmm. you like basketball. I'm sure you've seen all of these teams on TV, right? Right, exactly. Was there ever a point where you were playing somebody where you were just completely intimidated by this person that you have to, you know, play against? <laughs> well, yeah, it was uh, the first game of the regular season was against Yao Ming in the Houston Rockets. Okay. Even I know who that guy is. And I'm standing beside him, man. I'm looking like this guy is not real. Yeah. Like I'm looking at his legs and they're huge. And then he's on the team with Tracy McGrady. And then we fly out of that city and we go to the San Antonio Spurs. At the time, the Spurs are one of the best teams in the NBA. Mm -hmm. So then I'm seeing Tim Duncan. And he's one of the guys that I idol growing up. I wanted to be similar, you know, had some of the things of his game I stole from. And then I'm looking at him like, man, he's he's here, you know. Like, should I ask him for his jersey or should I should, <laughs> should I lease it? Should can I, I ask him? <laughs> yeah. <can> I, <laughs> do he, would he say hey to me if I say hey to him? You know. Yeah. Um. So it was one of those moments. I think of the Rockets and the Spurs where I was like, and of course when we went to. L.A. and played the Lakers, and Kobe was there. I mean, come you know, on. Rest in peace, Kobe. But yeah. it was – that was a different – that was a different stage, you know, going from NC State to going to the Hornets. Nothing against the Hornets, but it was a whole nother level to play in the in the lake with the Lakers – against yeah. the Lakers, you know. Well, I suppose every, um, every sports branch has that one team right. that is just, right. you know – Right, and they, I, They're and not real. Right, that kind right. Of thing. It's yeah. almost like – Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. and then you go play the Lakers. It's the same feeling. It's like the – I think it was Staples Center back yeah, then, Yeah, the right? old school. You know, you look around when you're playing the Lakers, and it's dark around the court. It's like you're on a stage. Yeah. So you can't really see in the stands. You can't really see the people, but you can hear them cheering. Mm-hmm. But you can see the celebrities around. I was going to say, they have some celebrities around, that come and yes, sit yeah, courtside yeah, every time, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Who, Jack Nicholson or something Jack like that Nicholson. goes there all the time, right? <laughs> I met uh, – Jaleel White, who oh, plays cool. Steve Urkel. Yeah, Steve Urkel. For, so, and I watch Family Matters a lot. So mm-hmm. that was one of, and I mean, I, I met a lot of people, but in my mind, that's the what that's what I always think about, you know, because he was excited to see me. He didn't even know me, you know. I didn't. I just knew him from being on yeah. Family Matters, and he was excited to shake my hand. We took a picture, and I was like, "Man, this is this is cool. That's cool. You know, I like this that. is this is really LA. This is a different level. You yeah. Know? So." So you, uh, I was looking at the the teams that you've played for. You moved around a bit mm-hmm. after you were in the Hornets, right? Yes. Where did you go next? I got traded after my first year with the Hornets to Cleveland. Um, played in Cleveland for half a year. Then I got traded to Chicago. Okay. Stayed in Chicago a year. Oh, nice. You were a bull. Love yeah. That. I really didn't like it in Chicago. Oh, no. Was it because it was cold or? No, just, just the situation with the team. Oh, okay. Um, I wasn't playing much, and I felt like I should have been playing. Oh, that can be frustrating. Yeah, so I asked I my agent for a trade, and he w- he was trying to move me around all year, and then I ended up with the Kings. And at that point, I kind of knew my NBA career was kind of over. Really? Because it was it wasn't about basketball anymore to me. Okay. The that point, the NBA was more about who was making more money. It wasn't about the talent. I mean, I don't want to say I was one of the best players, but there was games where I didn't even play in Chicago. And um, I showed up every morning, worked out early, uh, stayed after, worked mm-hmm. out or, worked out by myself with different coaches, and I still wasn't playing at all. And, and they were honest with me. They were like, you know, 
we have players your age, your draft class, that we drafted ahead of you. So we're more loyal to those players than we are to you because you you just got thrown in a trade, you know, like to make the money work. Um, so Chicago, I would say that was at the point where I was like, okay, man, I'm, the NBA is great, but it's yeah. not the NBA I dreamed of. Right. That feels know? demoralizing. Right, right. Like exactly. you're a pawn. You're not a player. <laughs> yeah. But Cleveland, I would say Cleveland was great. The city wasn't as nice as Chicago. The restaurants wasn't as nice. Right. But, Miss Cleveland. But Cleveland was nice because then I was on a team with LeBron. Mm-hmm. That was the year after they went to the I was going to ask Conference. if you played with him. Yeah. Was, that, was he on the team That then? was the year after they went to the finals. Okay. So at that point, I'm a young kid still. I think two years second year in the league Mm -hmm. then I get to see what a real pro looks like thanks so much for joining me on this week's episode of game time in the triangle next week on part two of my interview with Cedric Simmons he discusses what it was like to play with LeBron James and his international basketball career this Friday on high school hoops Leesville Road travels to Cardinal Gibbons you can watch the game at seven on my RDC Stream on myrdctv.com slash watch and on Facebook Live.